I'm Alex Mosed, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. And so we have a pretty big win on the large tech monopoly side of the spectrum, talking about Apple Pay. So Apple Pay is on pace to account for 10% of all global, global card transactions. This article goes on to say they account for 5% of uh, global card transactions today, and by 2025 are on pace to hit 10%. Um, from all the fees that they're earning from this, they're generating about 12 billion, uh, almost $13 billion in revenue in Q4 of 2019. You know, they're taking a, a very small sliver of, of the transaction fees. They've partnered with the other credit card companies and, um, you know, the MasterCards and the Visas that also get fees off of credit card transactions. But they've kind of wedged their way into this with, with the Apple Pay functionality. The broader forecast just in the United States is that contactless payments are forecast to increase to $1.5 trillion uh, by 2024. And up, that's up from $180 billion roughly uh, from this year. So there's already over a trillion dollars worth of uh, contactless payments in the United States today. So you can kind of, there's a huge scale already here. Now, the interesting thing is that Apple Pay is only running on Apple devices. And the number of Apple devices relative to Android devices is actually much lower, right? When when we look at the app stores, the amount of money spent on iOS apps and Android apps is roughly equal. But when you look at the number of iPhone shipments versus Android shipments in the United States, it's a much different story. So I think that's what's really interesting is, and, and we saw this in the app marketplace as well, right, is and even though there's less uh, iPhones, the demand is about equal. And that goes to the, the demographics of who's buying iPhones versus Androids. But I think also that user experience, the usability um, of it, right? Now, in the United States, the numbers here, you can see um, Apple's actually been steadily gaining since about 2012, where they were at about 30% market share, Android about 50% market share. Android's kind of plateaued, and Apple's kind of gained here. There's still less than 50%, Android's above 50%, but there isn't too much disparity between those numbers. Um, it still just goes to show you the um, impact and penetration of Apple Pay on these devices, right? You're not hearing these kinds of numbers being reported for Android. You know, what Samsung has a Samsung Pay initiative, right? But again, because we spoke about this yesterday about Apple rolling out the ability to have one app that now works across Mac OS and iOS and consolidating that workflow. Because iOS and Apple they are controlling the hardware and the software. They're able to make these interactions more seamless. They're able to roll these things out much more quickly than say Android where they aren't controlling the hardware and software as closely, which is why you see Samsung doing their own payment platform um, and Android trying to do their own as well. There's just, it's just harder to kind of pull this all together and and, and penetrate into these new applications of the technology as quickly. Another interesting example here of a traditional business, traditional linear business in Pandora and SiriusXM 
funding SoundCloud. Now, you may know of SoundCloud. SoundCloud historically ran into a lot of trouble. They'd raised a lot of money and then had to have a, a series of layoffs uh, a couple of years ago, roughly maybe a year and a half ago or so. Um, and what SoundCloud really, from a platform dynamic, was enabling people to create remixes and to mash up different versions of songs and to also allow musicians to publish remixes or to publish their music directly to SoundCloud. Um, SoundCloud stopped putting as much of an emphasis on that unique music and wanted to now kind of compete more directly with, say, Spotify. They were trying to get into music licensing and all these other kinds of things. And they lost that focus on capturing that, what I would call that user-generated content, capturing supply from content creators, right? They were starting to get into the game where you have to now get supply from the uh, record labels, which is much more consolidated supply. They weren't focusing as much on the fragmented supply. As you know, on the show, platforms work really well with fragmentation, not so much with consolidated supply. So they strayed away from that. And ultimately, they uh, had to cut way back on expenses and they had to kind of go back to their core, which is what they've done since and now they've raised another 75 million dollars to really help um, fuel that now what they're describing themselves as is the youtube of audio because of its profusion of user-generated content and so now you have this linear traditional media company in sirius and pandora where they are getting they already have those music streaming rights and now what they are getting is that user-generated content music from soundcloud um soundcloud touts some musicians that are you know publishing music uh directly to soundcloud such as billy uh eilish post malone bad bunny khaled and some other people. Uh, this was an interesting quote. It's a tempting thought to wonder if this could convert into an acquisition of SoundCloud by Sirius. Indeed, it does provide a complement to Pandora and potentially fills a gap both for the international audience, over 200 million tracks from 25 million creators with listeners in 190 countries, and also more original content. So you're seeing new original content from fragmented supply, content creators that have large followings published directly on SoundCloud. And then you have a whole other audience of derivative content, remixes, taking existing tracks and, uh, and, and, and doing other remixes and that kind of stuff. This is a trend I think we're clearly seeing here in audio and streaming services. How can you bring that derivative content? How can you bring that original content from fragmented supply, uh, from people that are creating their own music that maybe is outside of a record label's purview? And then that, if it's in the record label's purview, now you get locked up in all these licensing agreements and um, things that Spotify has to deal with. We've covered on the show in the past that Spotify is trying to move more into, say, podcasts. So all these music streaming, um, uh, they're not platforms, but music streaming services that have consolidated supply are trying to figure out how to get fragmented user-generated content, either that's original or derivative content. This is a trend that you're seeing in music, and I think you're also going to start seeing this more with video uh, and traditional media video content as well. So another thing uh, some people have asked is, what is an entrepreneur? Intrapreneur versus entrepreneur, right? I think the, the main difference here is that you're both building new businesses. You don't necessarily have to be building a platform business, but the point is you're building a new business. 
An entrepreneur is building it as a pure place startup. An entrepreneur is building it inside of a large traditional corporate entity. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a linear traditional corporate business. We've seen this in Google, for example. We've seen this. Uh, that was literally the creation of Gmail was their 80-20 rule where you can spend 20% of your time to go and try out new projects. That really means you work 100% of your time on your day job. And then when you work late at night and you do another 20% time, so you're really working at least 120% time, that's where the 20% comes from in reality. But the point is, nonetheless, you're working a lot of hours, you're working at Google, you're having a good time. And that is where uh, Paul Bukite in basically invented Gmail, which has now become a massively successful new business. Uh, for Google. Not necessarily a platform business, but still a massively successful business. So there are uh, a lot of examples that we've covered on the show in terms of traditional businesses trying to uh, create their own platform businesses, right? And to varying degrees of success. We've talked about Walmart, trying to create Walmart Marketplace in 2009. There was very much so an internal uh, initiative to try and create and spin out this new business. We've seen um, GE try and do it to, um, and we've documented where where that went wrong uh, at Infinitum. You know, I think th the key thing for entrepreneurs to be successful is what we talk a lot about on the show, which is how do you get the right level of autonomy? How do you get the right uh, level of access? to the advantages inside the traditional business? And how do you make sure that you are able to execute on a timeline and on a scale, which the top executives and board of the traditional business or, or you know, the company funding all of this are comfortable with? And every business is gonna have a different set of criteria for that. Um, if, if it's a much longer timeline, uh, then you can more actively pursue build from scratch approaches, right? Um, I would say generally for, for now platform companies like Google launching Gmail, that was entirely a build from scratch business. We also saw Google start uh, Google Video, build from scratch Google Video, but then they were being uh, beaten by YouTube and then they bought YouTube for a billion dollars. So we've seen internal initiatives get traction build the business case, um, show the business and the, the, why this is important, but ultimately then to get to scale, you need to go outside to either invest, partner, or acquire. Um, but again, how you navigate all those things comes back to the entrepreneur. And how is the entrepreneur validating the business model in the early days, uh, getting the right level of consensus from the executives and the, the different counterparts in the core business, getting access. You know, there's a lot of intrinsic assets locked up inside, you know, any any large uh, existing enterprise. How do you get enough autonomy for the new business model and then also get enough buy-in from the top down, starts at the top, uh, to be able to open up and get access to these intrinsic competitive advantages. How do you put those two worlds together is very difficult. One common trap is to have a P&L assigned to your new business spin out initiative, whether it's a platform or a SaaS business or whatever kind of business it is. The moment you have a P&L assigned to some new, especially a build from scratch a project or new business that an entrepreneur is working on, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually um, continue to innovate, 
fail fast and aggressively iterate on the business model once you start to have P&L expectations attached to this new business. Uh, we saw that really as a, as a key um, downfall or sign that what GE Digital had become was not actually nimble enough uh, to figure out the business model for a completely new platform business model, where instead they had so much carrying power and expectations set upon them from the top down that they couldn't focus as much on the new and 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 forging ahead and failing fast, and they kind of just need to make the business and shareholders um, happy. So it's a, it's a very difficult balance to strike, um, but if successful. traditional businesses have so much value locked up inside of them and you don't have to be an ex-founder to be an entrepreneur. You have to be able to understand where your strengths are and what your weaknesses are like any good, uh, like any good uh, operator or executive or manager. And you need to have, be self-aware, understand where do you need to surround yourself with other say operators or, or founders or entrepreneurs. Um, and where can you help uh, drive value and how do you put this all together? And um, that's going to be a different mix for every new business that you're putting together. We've seen some companies now launch um, internal incubators. You've seen Google have, you know, Google X uh, to go after the moonshots. And you see different companies have different approaches to this. Uh, where they're either trying to spawn new businesses entirely from scratch internally or validate it and then look externally for partnerships or investment opportunities or acquisition opportunities. So there's a a whole spectrum to this, but entrepreneurs are that key executive from the traditional business that wants to go and do the new. Now, the key question I would ask any entrepreneur is how strongly do you believe in this new business you're working on, right? Um, do you feel strongly enough that you would say goodbye to your regular and expected paycheck and benefits where you would want to get equity in this new business? And I would probably push all entrepreneurs to um, make sure that what they're ultimately trying to arrive at is a business that they would feel passionate about, excited about, um, confident enough about that they would be willing to leave all that comfort behind that comes from the big co to go and take a gamble on this new budding business opportunity and, and, and get more compensation aligned for the long term, right? If just strategically you don't want to arrive at that endpoint and have that long term, but yet risky, uh, risk reward kind of trade off and structure, then I'd, I would probably second guess if being an entrepreneur is the right path for you. Um, now, how to find that right business opportunity that you're passionate about and that you would want to let go of all these comforts, you know, that's not easy and there's no specific path to do that, but you need to want to try and have to find that in the first place. If you don't, then I don't think your heart or, or mind or whatever it is, is probably in the right set to truly want to be an entrepreneur and take on those risks and really forge these new paths over the long term. Uh, so, That is it for us today on Winner Take All. Thanks for joining and I will talk to you tomorrow.